0: Okay, guys, we're in chapter 7. We're going to start now from chapter 7 all the way to the end of the book. It is prophetic material. And what I mean by that is it's all material concerning what's going to happen in the future or what's going to happen in Daniel's future, the future beyond Daniel. Okay? And so what we're going to see today is the dream of the four beasts. It's in chapter 7. Now, we're just going to go through... Uh, the first part of the dream. Next time we meet, which will be in January, we will, uh, we're going to see the interpretation of it. We're going to see that he, he's going to want the interpretation, and so uh, someone comes and interprets the dream for him. But we're just going to talk about the dream today that he had. We may not get into it. Uh, what it means exactly, unless the passage tells us that. So I just want you to be aware of that. Now, let me just start off, first of all, talking about prophecy in general. Remember now, prophecy is not a prediction, okay? It's not a prediction like the weatherman predicted eight inches of snow. So how many of you got eight inches of snow? Anybody got eight inches of snow here? I think there was maybe four, five, maybe six, if it drifted, okay? So... Is he a pretty good predictor? He said it was going to freezing rain and sleet afterwards, too, at one point. Oh, she got some. Okay. Well, somewhere in Pennsylvania, they got freezing rain and sleet, okay? They didn't get it here in Kerwinsville. But the, the whole point is a prediction. We're conditioned to people making predictions. Like, we can predict who's going to make it to the Super Bowl. I predict it's going to be so-and-so. I've been watching the stats and stuff, you know. And what if I'm wrong? You guys going to hold it against me? No, no, not at all. It's like, oh, you, you know, won't trust him anymore. Don't put any money on what he says, okay? But so we, we have, we're conditioned by our culture to think that predictions could go wrong, and we're okay with that, okay? Prophecy is not a prediction. Prophecy is a statement of truth of what's going to happen. But oftentimes it is in figurative language. It is in language that could mean something else. Did you understand what I'm saying? So we're going to see that today with Daniel's dream. Now he's going to have a dream of four bees that kind of coincides and actually it does with Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the four parts of the of that immense image that he saw. So we're going to look at it today. But right off the bat in the first verse, we're going to see that Daniel makes a point here that I think we need to talk about for a moment, okay? So let's look at chapter 7 and look at verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while while on his bed, and he wrote down the dream telling the main facts okay, telling the main facts. Now, here's what I want you to see now. First of all, Daniel has a dream in the first year of King Belshazzar's reign. So this dream didn't occur while Nebuchadnezzar was king. We know from history that there were at least three other kings before Belshazzar enters into a co-regency with his dad, Nebuchadnezzar, okay, so... During the, This is towards the end of Daniel's life, so I just want you to recognize this. This is towards the end of his life. He has a dream while he's in the reign of Belshazzar, which is at the end of the Babylonian Empire. Okay, So this I just want to put the setting here. But it's the next part I want to talk about for a moment. He had a dream while he was sleeping and recorded the main facts of the dream. he had a dream so while he was while he was dreaming he had this dream and he woke up and he recorded the main facts okay he recorded the main facts of this of this dream okay now what's significant about that statement anybody okay it's, it's factual, okay, that, that's good you're focusing on that word, but what's the point here? Did he record everything? He didn't record everything in his dream. Oh, now, why is that significant now? Okay, maybe some things weren't supposed to be recorded. Is that possible? Has somebody ever been shown things and told not to record them? Okay, who would that be? John in the book of Revelation, okay, who else? The apostle Paul, if you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, he he talks about himself in the third person about being in the second person about being taken up into heaven into the third heaven and seeing things which were what? Not lawful for him to speak about. Okay? So he saw things. So what I want you to understand is is what we see here, and you may want to make this point is that every, not everything about the future we're supposed to know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not everything about the future are we supposed to know. We're not supposed to know everything about the future. Alright? Because here's another instance when we're talking about prophecy, you're not going to, you're, you're going to see here that the emphasis isn't on everything. The emphasis is on a few things. And so our focus is going to need to be on a few things. In fact, when we get into the interpretation, we're going to see this the next time, which will be three Sundays from now. Okay, Three Sundays from now, when we get into the interpretation, Daniel's going to want to focus on one particular beast in general. He doesn't really care about the first three. He asked the angel, tell me more about the fourth one. So he's really not interested in the first three. Did, do you understand what I'm saying? He's really not interested in the first three as much as he's interested in the fourth one. Now, I think that's significant. Why? Because, okay, like this summer, I went, I went, we took the kids up to Word of Life, and uh, they had a prophecy speaker there, and the guy was speaking, and he, he focused on the second beast for a moment and talked about, we're going to read about him here in a second, what the significance was of this that the beast has in its mouth. And he, and he went ahead and gave an interpretation of what that was. Now, that's okay. That's pretty cool. That'll sell books. That'll, that'll do a conference. Okay? Now, here's the problem, though. When you read through chapter 7, nowhere does it explain to you what it is. Did you understand what I'm saying? Nowhere does it explain to you what it is. So my question is to you. What do you think we should focus on when we talk about prophetic material? yeah you know, the main facts that are recorded that are given what interpretation did you understand what I'm saying? Because we don't need to know everything. Did you understand what I'm saying? And we don't know but you but you'd be surprised how many people say they know did you know what I'm saying and and here's the thing why is it important for you to understand that we don't know? Why would it be important for you to understand? Okay, did you hear what Bruce said? So you're not carried away by false prophecies. Has that happened recently? Yeah, it has happened a lot. How many remember, just a couple years ago, the billboards? Like, I was a big billboard down in Punxsie. You know, the world's going to end in May because of the Herald camping. Okay? And, and, and his prediction that it was going to end. And then he readjusted his prediction to be October. And, and there were people, I, I remember listening to some guy who quit his truck driving job and drove all the way out to California and waited outside the guy's radio station for Jesus to come back. And he didn't. Hope he got his job back. Do, do you know what I mean? Hope he got his job back. Now, the, the problem is, if you understand basic things, like we don't know everything, we're not going to know everything, Everything's not recorded for us. Only the main things are recorded for us. They're given to us for a purpose so that we can have a hope. You're not going to get carried away by some guy coming up and saying, sell everything, grab an iced tea, wear white, and we'll wait. Do you know what I'm saying? Did that happen? Well, I don't know about the iced tea, but back in the early 1800s up in New England, it was the Adventists, okay, this. What, are now, what became the Seventh-day Adventists, the guy who started out with that made a prediction. Everybody believed him. They went up on a hill. I think it was in Connecticut. All wearing white robes. A storm came. A lightning storm came. Struck them. Jesus didn't come back. Okay? But here's what he did. He went back and recalculated and was ready for the next year. After the second time, he gave up. Okay? He gave up. Now, the interesting thing, Harold Camping, how many times did he make a prediction? Anybody know? Yeah, I he probably did, but he had a different interpretation, Daddy. Okay. He probably had a different he predicted it six different times. Did you guys know that? Six times he failed. I can't believe we actually gave him airtime. Okay? Well, I guess he did have his own radio station so he could give himself airtime. Okay. Yeah, Jesus said only the Father does. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah, I would be leery of anybody who gives a date. Yeah, dates yeah, there have been a lot of guys who've given dates. How many remember Hal Lindsey? His date was nineteen eighty four. Yeah, that's exactly right. Jesus said that. Okay? Yeah, Jesus said that. And you're right, you've got to be careful of guys with dates, okay? I I remember there was a guy who used to be on TV and he was big into prophecy, Jack Van Impe. Anybody remember who know who that is? Okay. I remember being in Canada in my first church. I was invited over to somebody's house, and uh, I was going to watch boxing with him. There was this guy we were close to, their family, and I went over there every week, and we watched boxing in his basement. So right before the boxing match started, um, <coughs> Jack Van Ippey was on, and he made this—he made a prediction, a date. In the next 25 years, Jesus will come back. Okay. Really? That was 14 years ago. I think he's still alive. I'm waiting for him to stay alive enough for the 10 years to go by, 11 years to go by, to be proven wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? In the next 25 years, Jesus is going to come back. Do you know what I'm saying? So we've got to be careful. You've got to know the scripture so that you're not hoodwinked. Okay? So that you're not hoodwinked. Now, here's the other thing I want you to realize about prophecy. Biblical prophecy, whether it's Old and New Testament, is about who? Well, it's about Jesus coming back, but there's somebody else. Well, it's not the Antichrist, although he's a part of it. Biblical prophecy is focused on who? Especially in the book of Daniel. I heard it. Somebody whispered. The Jews. Yes. So does everybody understand that? Because now there is a new, like the Harbanger is a book that came out. There's a whole new bunch of books that are out there, a new type of prophecy out there. And it's all talking about the significance of 9-11, how 9-11 was predicted in the book of Isaiah. I'm going through the book of Isaiah right now during the week. I have not found anything at all about 9-11 and the two towers in there. Okay, Do you know what I'm saying? So... Here's what I want you to understand. Like, it doesn't talk about America in there. Maybe, but it's not directly. Just like it's not talking about Botswana. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Or Senegal. Or Thailand. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? The focus of biblical prophecy is Jesus coming back, God but also the fulfillment of the promises for who? The nation Israel. And we've got to understand that. Do you understand? We've got to understand that. So, okay, let's look at at his dream now. We've got all those preliminary thoughts down. Let's look at his dream. Look with me in chapter 7. Let's look at verses 2 to 14. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night... And behold, four winds of the heavens were stirring up the great seas. And four great beasts came from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. Suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they devoured and, they, and said thus, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which on its back had four wings of a bird. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given over it. After this I saw in the night visions... And behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns. I considered the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. There... In this horn were eyes like eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days seated. His garment as white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne like a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery steam issued, it came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. And I watched then, because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of the heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom. To all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the dream. So first of all, we're going to see the great sea is stirred. Now, anybody know what the great sea is? Anybody know in the Bible what the great sea is? Let me help you. The great sea, what's the only ocean that if you're living in ancient, ancient the Middle East at that time, what's the only ocean that you know? No, not the Dead Sea. That's a lake. What's the only sea, ocean? The Mediterranean Okay, so does everybody understand, Daniel's world and the, and the world of the prophecies that he gives are focused in the Mediterranean area, okay? So what he's seeing here is the Great Sea in the ancient, to the ancients. The Great Sea was the Mediterranean. The Great Sea is stirred up, okay, by four different winds of heaven, stirred up the Great Seas. Now, you could probably say that they maybe were angels, okay? Because when you go over to the book of Revelation, uh, it is, it's very clear that there are four angels in the book of Revelation and the prophecies there who are um, from the four corners of the earth who cause the winds to cease, okay? So it's possible they could be angels. That's up to you. That The text doesn't really say, okay? Now, the word, why I believe it is, the word winds... Uh, The word translated wind is also translated spirits. Okay, so that Hebrew word that's used there uh, can also be translated spirits. All right? Now, throughout the Old Testament, the Great Sea refers to the Mediterranean Sea. Just mentioned that to you already. Throughout the Old Testament, the Great Sea refers to the Mediterranean Sea. So... Daniel's dream relates to the Mediterranean world. Does everybody understand me? Daniel's dream relates to the Mediterranean world. Now, he saw in verse three four great beasts come out of the sea that were different from each other. And here's an artist rendition of that. Okay? We're not sure exactly what he saw. He didn't draw pictures for us. Obviously, it's a modern uh it's a modern person who did this because they made a T-Rex with a bunch of horns there for the terrible beast, okay? We're not sure exactly, but that would be pretty terrible, you know, if you lived in Jurassic Park, okay? Uh but this is the 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 some some uh, artist's rendition of this. We're not sure exactly what it was. He gave us some descriptive natures about it. Now, let me just stop for real quick here. It's very easy to look at these beasts and come to conclusions about them, although the text doesn't say it. But we do know, for instance, the leopard with four heads. All right. We know that that represents the Greek kingdom. Okay. That's the third kingdom. We know that it started out with one great king, Alexander, but he died without an heir. And his kingdom was divided into how many parts? Four parts. Okay? So it's really easy to, to enter into an assumption about what things mean. And it's possible. the yeah, answer that's true. Okay? But it's the bear here that was really interesting. That's the guy, when I heard this prophecy guy, he said the three ribs were the three empires that came before the Persians. And he said, the Babylonian, the Syrian, and the Egyptian. Well, that's, that's cool. That 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 sells books. you know what I'm saying? That sounds great. But the problem is, is that there were other empires, too. Mesopotamian. Do, do you understand? If you read through the Bible, you'll read about other empires. How do you know it's those main three ribs? I mean, why not a whole rack of ribs in his mouth? Okay, The text really doesn't say what it means, and to be very honest with you, when we get later into the chapter, you're going to see that Daniels really doesn't care about any of this. He wants an explanation about the fourth guy. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, for instance, like we take the lion, when you look at it here in a minute, we'll look at it, it says that his wings were stripped off. What could that be referred to? Well, maybe it refers to the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, we were stripped of everything. And he was a changed person after that. I mean, yeah, that sells books, but that's really not where our focus should be, okay? I'm just kind of letting you know those are where the views are out there. So let's talk about the lion-like beast. The first beast was a lion and had eagle's wings. So Daniel says the first beast was a lion and had eagle's wings. The beast's wings were plucked off and made to stand like a man, okay? The beast's wings were plucked off, and he was made to stand like a man. And then it says, a man's heart was given to it. Now, I don't, here's the thing. You know, when you read this at first, when you get into chapter 7, you go, like, wow, what does all that mean? Okay? And that would be very intriguing to know, what does the plucked-off wings, what does it mean for him to stand? What does it mean for him to have a man's heart? Here's the thing. We'll never know. Because it doesn't tell us later on when he gets the interpretation. The angel doesn't say, oh, by the way, that lion who got his wings stripped off and stood like a man, the man's heart means this. It doesn't say that, okay? Let's go on, the bear-like creature, bear-like beast. The second beast was like a bear and had three ribs in its mouth. All right, so that's all we need to know. This is a meat eater, all right? Here's what he's told. The beast was told to rise up and to devour much flesh. Okay? So this is a mean machine. All right? Okay, this is not a Pennsylvania black bear that supposedly doesn't bite anybody. Okay? This, this is a mean machine. All right? Then there's a leopard-like beast. Okay? there was The third beast was like a leopard and had four wings and four heads. And here's what it says. Dominion was given to this beast. Now, we do know that this beast represents the um, Greek Empire. And we know that at the point of Alexander the Great, that was the greatest empire ever. Do you understand? Because he didn't just have Greece. He didn't just take all of the Persian Empire. He went beyond that all the way into India. Do you understand? Into India, which means he went across Afghanistan and Pakistan, all the way into India, up to the the river there. And the point is, is this was a great dominion. All right? We do know that. The terrible beast, the fourth beast, was terrible in appearance and strong. So this is a serious empire, whatever it is. Okay? It was different. From the other beasts, so it's not like the other beasts. It's not like these what these other beasts represent, and it had ten horns. Okay? Now, immediately, if you know Revelation, you know that there is a beast there that has what? Ten horns. Okay? So, that's why Daniel and Revelation are oftentimes interpreted together. All right? Now, look at out of the midst of the ten horns, out of the midst of the ten horns comes what? Another little horn. So a little horn, it's not one of the ten horns. It emerges out of, according to Daniel here, it's not one of the ten horns, but it emerges out of these ten horns from the midst of the ten horns. Okay, so the little horn emerged from the midst of the ten horns. Now, it says that the little horn plucked out three of the ten horns. So whatever this little horn is, it destroys it. It plucks out three of the ten horns. Okay, according to this dream that Daniel had, and then this little horn had a mouth speaking pompous words. Now, what's the what is the meaning of pompous? Okay, arrogant. yeah, that's a great word. Okay, arrogant is another prideful, boastful. Okay. So this this horn is a very arrogant leader of some type. We're going to see that here later. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you get to to the rest of the chapter, it shifts. Excuse me, the rest of our section of verses here, it shifts. We're going to see from verse 9 all the way to verse 14. The focus now is turned away from the four beasts to somebody else. Who's it turned to? Yeah, we're going to see Jesus there. But before that, it's who? God, who's described as the Ancient of Days. Okay, so let's look at verse 9 there. Daniel saw the Ancient of Days seated. Now, this is a title for God. Now, why would he be called that? What do you think this title denotes? Yeah, he's always existed. He predates everything. He predates everything because he created time. Did you understand? So he sees the Ancient of Days seated. Now, the vision that Daniel has of the Ancient of Days, he was clothed in white and his hair was pure pure wool. Like white as wool. Okay? Now, here's what he does. He saw, I think this is an amazing thing. He saw a huge multitude ministering before the Ancient of Days. He saw... What does he say? A thousand and a thousand. Thousands and thousands ministering to him. And then he saw another 10,000 times 10,000 just standing before him. All right? So who do you think they are? Yeah, I think it's ultimately the saints because we see that in the book of Revelation. Okay? So that where do you think you're going to be, folks? Anyhow, that's, that's us. Okay? What were you saying, Denny? Yeah, we're probably going to be there, okay? Now, here's what he sees happening. He saw the beast, this is the fourth beast, slain and destroyed. He saw the fourth beast slain and destroyed. Okay, so that's that little horn. He saw that little horn destroyed, and, and whatever that fourth beast represents, it's going to be destroyed, all right? Then in verse 13 through 14, he's going to see the Son of Man. Now, let me just stop for a moment. This is significant, because Daniel's going to use this phrase, the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man is a messianic term. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a messianic term. Who else used that phrase, Son of Man? Jesus did. He would often refer to himself as what? The Son of Man. Now, do you think the Jews understood that? You better believe me they did. If they studied the the Old Testament, if they studied the writings, which is what Daniel's book would have been part of as the writings, they would have known that the Son of Man was a messianic term. So do you think Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah? Well, he referred to him as that. Not only did he refer to himself as the Messiah, when you look, he's referring specifically, when he uses that title, back to what Daniel is telling us here. Because what you're going to see is is that God's going to do something for this Son of Man. Look at what happens here. He saw one, like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, how many human beings can do that? Can you come with the clouds of heaven? If you're flying in an airplane, you know. But nobody can physically do that. So there's, there's something divine about this guy, okay. He came to the Ancient of Days, so he comes to God the Father. And notice what he's given. He is given dominion and an everlasting kingdom. So this Son of Man, this Messiah, this messianic figure, we know of him as Jesus, the Son of God. He comes in the clouds. He comes to the Ancient of Days. And the Ancient of Days gives him, God the Father gives him what? Dominion and an everlasting kingdom. Okay? Gives him dominion and an everlasting kingdom. Now, I want you to notice something here. Notice what it says to me. When the, when the Just go back a little bit here. Verse 12. And the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Anybody have a clue what that might mean? The fourth beast is destroyed. That kingdom is destroyed. But the other beasts represent what? Babylonian, we're going to see that next week, the Babylonian, the Persian, and the Greek empires. Their strength is taken away. So their rule is taken away, but they're allowed to exist for a period of time. Okay? What do you think that's significant of? Uh, Not the tribulation. You're close, though. What comes after the tribulation? The millennial. How do I know that it's possibly speaking about that? Because other Old Testament prophets, especially in Isaiah, talk about when the Messiah comes and establishes his kingdom, that the other kingdoms will come and bring what? Tribute to him. Do you understand? So the reason why they're not immediately destroyed is, is why? Because they still have a purpose. Do you understand? They don't have any strength, but they still exist. Yes, they're they're, they're speaking what what it represents, those peoples, you understand what I'm saying. So, So, for instance, let's look at history today. Isn't it interesting to you, it's interesting to me, that the players, their names change, but they're still the same. Okay, what do you mean, George? Well, we're going to look at it here when we get into prophecy a little bit further. The king of the south is Egypt. Is that in the news? King of the North is Syria. Is that in the news? Neo Persian Empire is what it, what country is that today? Iran? Are they in the news? Okay. Um, the Greek Empire. That flows from Greek into Turkey. Are they in the news? Turkey is. Okay. Babylonia? Anybody know where Babylon is? Iraq? They in the news? Did did, did you see my point? The names change. The players are the same. Do you understand what I'm saying? The, the, The kingdoms, they're less, they're dominated by other kingdoms. The main dominating kingdom is this fourth kingdom. It's removed. The other kingdoms exist. However, they're going to be what? They don't have any strength. But they're going to exist for a period of time, for a purpose. Because what happens after the millennium? Everybody even know what happens after the millennium? When the the kingdom ends with the millennium, yeah, everything ends. Because we enter into what? Eternity. Okay? That's Revelation chapter 20. Okay? We enter into eternity. Because there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah, you have to understand you're dealing with human beings. Yeah, and how I know there will be sin in the world Denny is because when Satan is released at the end of the 1000-year reign, he's going to be able to deceive people again. You understand what I'm saying? And here's the other thing. Isaiah talks about in Isaiah's prophecy, he talks about how that some won't bring up their tribute that year and so they'll be they'll have to suffer drought. The king will produce a drought for them. So guess who's going to come and worship? You know what I'm saying they're going to bring their tribute to Jerusalem. Okay, so yeah, that, that yeah, it's a serious time. There will be sin. Do you understand what I'm saying, because you're dealing with human beings. I mean, unless you're unless you've got a new body, you're still in your human body, and humans do they sin? I think there will will be those who came with Jesus, they're going to be in resurrected bodies, okay? And then there are going to be humans, because you have to understand, at the end, when Satan, the the battle of Gog and Magog, there's going to be this multitude that the sands can't even, like the multitude of the sands, that are going to rebel against Jesus, and then they're wiped out immediately. Do you understand? That's in Revelation 19, okay? It might be Revelation 20, excuse me, Revelation 20, all right? Does that help you? Okay. All right, let's grab a coffee.